because it's Acts part 11, and that's just, that's just enough. <laughs> it's time to move on now. We could be in Acts. There's so much, uh, there's so much here. We could be in here for, for years, but, um, but we are going to try and land this plane today. We, we're in his, uh, Paul's third missionary journey is what we're going to be looking at, at today. Um, but it, it, we're going to look, we're going to be looking at kind of one theme that has runs through this journey, not so much the individual events of all of the places that, that Paul went. Um, you could see throughout this journey, it's very similar to the other ones in its general pattern. We've talked about this um, for a number of weeks, how there's a balance, right? There's this both and in the mission of Paul and in the mission of God, where you have, you have great fruit and, and God enacting on people and people coming to know him and, and, Marat and his power being displayed alongside of uh, persecution and suffering and, and how both of these are, are present as, as he goes along. And, and, and we've looked at time and time again how that is, that is kind of a microcosm of, of life. That, that we, as we follow Jesus, as we, we go on mission with him, that we, we should ex- expect both of those things. <laughs> that we, we, we should see an impact, we should see God move, we should see um, his power displayed, and we should also expect that there is going to be opposition, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be um, trouble as we go. Um, but, but that trouble never will never stop the progress that, that God is, is making in our lives and, and in, in his mission moving forward. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into our text for today. God, we, we give you um, this time. Lord, would you um, speak through me? Would you help us to hear your heart this morning um, through your word? We thank you for, for, for the gift of your word. We ask that you would um, speak to us now through it, not just so that we would know more things, but that, so that we would be more like you. God, would you change our hearts, change our minds, change our actions so that, that we look more like, like you, God. I'm proud of this in your name. Amen. 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 So, Paul's third journey. Um, we're just going to kind of jump right in. We'll be reading a lot of, a lot of uh, text today. Um, we start with Paul meets the, uh, the, so if you remember last journey, he, he established a church in Ephesus, right? And he goes around. So he is, he is back in Ephesus. Um, and this is kind of his f- uh, farewell tour. Paul, Paul knows what, what's coming down the road, and we'll see that in the story, um, but but. So Paul is in Ephesus meeting uh, people that he has relationship, he's had relationship with in the past. Um, we can pick this up in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 20. He said, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia um, before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go to Rome. So God had spoken to Paul about his, his next, this, this next phase of his life. And it, it kind of echoes in some way um, the, the last uh, leg of, of Jesus' time on earth. 
You know, if you remember that towards the end of, of, of Jesus' ministry, he sets his eyes towards Jerusalem. And, and the, the latter part of, of the Gospels, you know, leading up to the crucifixion is Jesus on this very deliberate uh, march to Jerusalem. And we see that kind of, kind of uh, echoed here in, in Paul's, um, Paul's journey. The Holy Spirit tells him he must go to Rome, but he's going to get there kind of in a circuitous way, he's going he's gonna to go to Jerusalem. And so if we continue in verse 21 um, of, of chapter 20, if we skip over to that, uh, he says, I've had one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in this... In, tells me in city after city that jail and, lie, and suffering lie ahead. That's not the best of forecasts. Um, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So here we have Paul um, sharing with, with, with the, the people in Ephesus his, his mission. He has, he has marching orders from God. I'm going to Rome, and I'm going there by, through Jerusalem. And I'm doing that even though God has told me this is, this is going to be a bumpy ride. This is not going to be uh, pleasant in a, in a lot of ways. Now, um, I should say, uh, I was talking uh, with Shannon last night about this. She brought up a good point. She, she always does. Um, this verse, one of the things I, I, I sh- we need to understand is that was Paul's mission that's not a universal call. We are all called to, to obey and, and be um, willing to do whatever the Lord calls us to. And there is trouble assigned to all of us in that we all live in this world. In this world, you will have trouble, right? Um, but the goal and the mark of, of spiritual maturity is not looking for trouble. Does that make sense? Um, it, it, it's not. It, it's not the. It's not the goal of what we're trying to do. The goal is not to have a miserable life and love God. The goal is to love God, despite troubles that may come into our life, um, and that may seem like a, a, a you know a small distinction, but it's an important one because it's it's very easy, especially when we when we're constantly reading about. Um, you know, these, these amazing people and these amazing obstacles that they overcome and we look around life, it, it, sometimes it, we can get this idea that, that if I'm not suffering, I must not be doing something right, right? <laughs> and that's, that's not true either. Like, the, the, there are times where, where, where that is called for and we are called to, but that is, not, that is not God's ultimate heart. He doesn't enjoy us suffering, He's a good father. Um, and so we need to understand that while we shouldn't, we, sh- we can't deny suffering and we can't run away from it when it is called for, we also shouldn't use it as evidence that we are, we are following Jesus, right? <laughs> Just because you're miserable doesn't mean you're right, um, I guess is what I'm saying there. Um, okay, moving on. But for Paul, he's called to this, this, this call. He's going to uh, Jerusalem, and then he's going to go on to Rome. Um, and then 
so he's in Ephesus, and he, he, he leaves. And on, uh, he says, on their way, uh, they stopped in Tyre, or Tyr, I'm not sure how you say that, and met some other believers there. And it says in 21.4, we went ashore, found some local, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. So here we, we, we get introduced to a, to a conflict, and this is really kind of, it's kind of a left field thing for the book of, for, for this section, but I just felt like this is what, what the Lord wanted us to talk about today, um, is this idea of, um, we're going to have a conversation this morning about prophecy. Um, and this is a really unique situation. You don't see this in the Bible a lot, and you definitely don't see it in, in other spiritual texts where there's, a, there's an account of conflicting prophecy, right? <laughs> At least not intentionally. There are, there are other religious books that have conflicts of prophecy within them. Um, but here we have an account where Paul is saying one thing, God is calling me. I've heard the, the Spirit, uh, he's calling me here, and um, there's going to be all this trouble. And now he, he's with these local believers, and now they're prophesying, no, you're not, right? <laughs> they, say that they, they prophesy that, no, you should not go to Jerusalem. And that's, that's actually not the only thing, the, the only time Paul experiences this while he's on his trip. Um, if we continue on, 21 verse 8 says, The next day we went to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. Uh, he had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. So these are, 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 are some girls that, that were known to have the gift of prophecy. Uh, several days later, a man named Agabus, who, had, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, when we heard this, we and the local uh, believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So here we have again, Paul hearing from the Lord, or feeling like you hear from the Lord, and this group of people who, by all accounts, also hear from the Lord, saying, don't go. You shouldn't, you shouldn't go. Um, it's interesting, you know, I don't know if you noticed but this, throughout Acts, though, the, the, the part of speech changes a lot, because some, um, you know, the book is written by Luke, um, and for a lot of the journey, he is actually there. And for some of the journey, he is not. And so you notice here, all in this part of the story, it's switched. Luke is on this journey. That's why, why it's we did this. So we actually have, we even have other trusted leaders. Luke includes himself in the people that are trying to talk Paul out of going to Jerusalem. And uh, But Paul responds, he's in verse 13, he says, But he said, Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am not ready only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it, it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So we have these two conflicting ideas of a prophetic word. And, and what does that mean? How, how, do we, how do we deal with that? How do we wrestle with that in Scripture, and how, do we, and how does that apply to, to us today? 
Um, that's kind of some of the things we're going to look at today. Uh, but first, we have to kind of finish the story, and then we'll, we'll kind of come back into it. So, so they resign themselves, and they kind of release Paul or, or say, okay, well, we're just going to trust God, I guess, since we can't talk you out of it. We don't have any other choice. Um, so Paul goes to Jerusalem, and the believers welcome him and his team. Uh, Paul gives them an update on how the ministry's been going, how the mission has been going. Um, they, they fill him in on what's been going on in Jerusalem. Uh, and the leaders share with Paul how many in Jerusalem are convinced that, that he, Paul, is, is teaching people to abandon their Jewish ways, to abandon uh, Moses, to abandon Jewish traditions, and so, uh, which wasn't the case. And so, so they decide that Paul should participate in, in a, a purification ritual that was, that was scheduled to happen um, uh, for some of the men in that community to show that these rumors were false, that these people, and these are the same people that had been following Paul around, right, and causing all of this trouble wherever he went. These, these Jewish leaders that were, were jealous of, of, of the momentum and the, the, the movement of, of, of the way. Um, and, and so they, you know, they had been following him from town to town, lying about what, what they believed and what Paul was saying. Um, and so now he's back in their home turf, and it's really kind of amping up. And, and so they, they, they try to kind of uh, help Paul show the people what he's really all about. Um, and, and we'll pick the story up in, in chapter 21, verse 26. says, So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already stated, uh, started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and, and roused the mob against him. So here we, here we go. Uh, they grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. Verse 29 says, For earlier that day they had seen him in the, in the city with Trimiphius, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed that Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all, the, all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called, called his uh, soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. The commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing, some shouted another. Since they couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! So, who was right? Paul or the people that he had talked to that had warned him. I mean, if you think back to that, that, that word that was given to Paul in, in chapter 20, it was accurate, right? 
We can reread it. He he came over. uh, This was Agabus. He said he had a word. He came over. He took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it, and he said, "The Holy Spirit declares." So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. That's what we just read. It happened. It was a prophetic word. But notice that although they saw, he saw the scene, he missed the point. And I love how honest the Bible is. I love that this, this, it, it, it's not comfortable on one side to, to, to look at scriptures like this because it forces us to kind of wrestle with things. Um, but I love that, that, that the Holy Spirit inspired the, the writers to include this stuff because it, it, it's, kind of, it's, it's fearless, right? <laughs> it's this fearless move that like we don't have to shine up the truth. The truth is enough. Um, even when we're, we're come, talking about things that, that, that we aren't super clear sometimes. Um, but in this, in this example, you have somebody, uh, he, he, so he, ha- he got a prophetic word, but he missed the point. See, there's a difference between receiving and releasing. Um, because between there, there's this filter, there's this thing that happens, um, and unfortunately, because we become part of the process, <laughs> right? So God speaks, God, God reveals something, and that is always true, and that is always accurate, and that is always exactly what should happen. But, and so God spoke to Agabus, right? That part was good. The problem was, there's another part in the chain. It had to go from Agabus to Paul, and that required it going through Agabus, <laughs> a human, a flawed individual, all right? And this is, this is where, this is where the, the prophetic always I won't, doesn't break down, but this is where, this is where it, it gets, gets dicey. <laughs> I know that's not a theological word, but um, I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, there is always an, uh, an element of interpretation that happens. And in this case, it seems that, that Paul, uh, Agabus saw accurately he saw what was going on, but he interpreted it in a certain way and, 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 try, and conveyed it as a, a, a warning to Paul and tried to talk Paul out of going. But what he was seeing, if, if you remember the, the story itself, what he was actually seeing wasn't, um, was actually the, the Romans were protecting him, right? He's tied up, bound, and carried away. It's, the scene was actually Paul having his life saved, not having his life put in jeopardy. And so there is always an interpretation when we're talking about uh, we're talking about prophetic anything outside of Scripture itself, right? There's always an element of interpretation that we need to to be a, a aware of. And so uh, today I just wanted to have a, a a little conversation about about prophecy, about the the prophetic and and um, its its role in, in our lives. Um, whether it should or shouldn't be, and, um, and what that looks like. So the, the first question I, I, I have, and we're going to have a lot of questions today. I'm going to throw a lot of questions out, out at you. Um, this is, this is uh, I hope, a, a starting point for, for us as far as um, 
I'm going to ask a lot of questions because I want, I want us to, to, to be thinking and praying and start moving. Um, start's a bad word. Uh, continue to, to, to wrestle with this, this issue because it, it's something that the Bible talks a lot about. It's something that, that I think is an important, wherever you land on it is important. Um, and so we, wanna, we, wanna, um, we want everything that, that God has for us um, but we don't want anything he doesn't. So part of that requires us to, to ask questions and continue to wrestle with these truths and these ideas. Um, and so my first question is, is simply this. Are you open to the Lord speaking to you prophetically? Um, this is not, I'm not asking, do you believe that it is theoretical, theoretically possible? I'm asking, do you, are you open to the reality or the possibility that the Lord wants to speak prophetically to you? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who, who belong to Jesus Christ. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, and do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. So here we have, in Scripture, uh, um, we are told not to scoff at prophecy, that it is, it is something that, and we'll look at some other verses later, that, that, that talk about how, how it, it should be a part of our life. It is something that is worth pursuing. But even in, in, in the admonition to pursue it, we're, we're given, it's tempered with this, but test everything that is said. Right? Because it, it is a word that comes from, from a, a brother and sister in Christ. It may, it may be the word of God. It may be a word from God, but it's not the word of God. Right? And there's a, we'll get into that here in just a second. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not important. That doesn't mean it's not valuable. That doesn't mean God can't use it to transform and, and empower your life. Um, and so, so how do we test prophecy, right? That's, that's, that's usually the, the first question when you start, start thinking about, about this sort of stuff. How do, how do I know, right? It feels squishy. <laughs> how, how, how do I know? And, and um, I'll just give you some, some good questions. Some of them are more black and white. Some of them are not. Um, but these are some good questions that will help us evaluate, help us to test Prophecy, and we'll, we'll talk in a little bit about what, what that even is. But um, first question, and, and it's the most black and white most of the time, um, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with Scripture? This is, this is the first question we should always ask. When something is, is presented to us or we, we see something or consume something that is, uh, that is claiming to be a, a from God or, or, or the truth of God uh, in any form, does it line up with Scripture? Listen, God, God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not contradict himself. And God gave us this amazing gift called the Word of God that is there to be. I mean, so, you know, the, uh, the Bible, we, we call it the canon, right? That's, that's kind of like the, the, the scholarly name for it. We call it that, you know what that means? Measuring stick. 
The, 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 Bible, the Bible is the measuring stick for everything. And this isn't just prophetic words. This should be everything in life. Like, really, this, if, we're doing, if we're doing the Bible justice, this should automatically happen because we should be using the Bible to measure literally everything that, that comes through our minds and across our eyes. Amen? This is, you know, Bible, Paul talks about take every thought captive and make it, compare it, subject it to the knowledge of Christ. What's the knowledge of Christ? It's, it's the Word of God. And so the first thing we always do with everything, especially something that is claiming to, to, to be of God, is, is does, it, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with the total truth of the, of the, the gospel in the Old Testament? Um, now, that being said... There is a, there's a kind of a sub-question you have to ask or be aware of is, does it vi- is you, you look at Scripture, you look at this thing, and is it violating a universal truth that is found in Scripture? Or is, it, is this in the category of a proverb? See, there, is, there are things in the Bible that are great advice, but they are intended to be taken as advice. And there are other things in Scripture that are always true 100% of the time, everything else can change, but that will not, right? God loves you. That is never going to change. God is perfect. That is never going to change. You can't earn salvation. That is never going to change. All of those, those are universal truths. But there are other things in the Bible that are good for us, but they are not intended to be 100% always applied, right? We have the, the, a good example, the book of Proverbs, right? They, they named it that for a reason, because <laughs> it's full of Proverbs, wise sayings. But how many know you can't follow all of the Proverbs at the same time, because some of them are, are, are situationally dependent, right? You have one that talks about, like, the Bible talks over and over again how it, in Proverbs about saving, Right? It's important to save your money. It's important to be wise and good stewards and all of these things. And that is, that is always true. But does that mean God would never put you in a position or never ask you to, uh, to do something or give in a way that seemed uh, reckless? Yeah, he would. He might. That's a proverb. So that, there, there's a delineation there we have to, we have to, be, we have to be aware of. Um, and I'm sorry that that, <laughs> sorry that mucks things up a little bit. It doesn't, doesn't just give us a nice clean, clean line. But that's, that's, I just call them as I see them. That's the way it is. <laughs> there, there are some things that are always true, and there are some things in Scripture that were never intended to be always true. They're intended to be mostly true. And we, we need to be wise and, and, and be, be good stewards of the word and not try and take everything and paint every, everything with the same brush. So does it line up with Scripture is our first, our first, our first question uh, that we have to ask and answer. Next question is, does the person know and follow Jesus? 
Does the person know and follow Jesus? 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 1-3 through 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit uh, they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which, should, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Listen, the Holy Spirit ain't the only spirit in town. And we need to be very careful and wise about who it is that we're listening to. Just because somebody, just because somebody calls themselves a Christian doesn't automatically make them a Christian. Just because somebody knows a few scriptures doesn't automatically make them a prophet of the Most High God, Jesus himself, Right? And so we, we need to, and this is, the world we live in is, is getting so wide because of technology. And it's great in some, some aspects. But one of the things that we have to, that makes, that that has made hard for us is especially in this area because we have so much access to people that we have no real relationship with. And I'm not saying that that is, that is absolutely wrong or you should never, you know, never listen to anybody that, <laughs> that, that you don't personally know. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that um, like many things, I think the prophetic is at its best when it's in the context of a relationship. When, when, I, when I know you, and I know your relationship with the Lord, and I know you, you know Jesus, and you know me, those are, the, those are strong things that can really help the process. And when they are not present, not that we have to automatically disregard everything, but we should be a little more wary, <laughs> judicious shall we say, in our, in our approach. Does the person know and follow, and follow Jesus? It, it, it's important. There are so, there's so much out there. There's so much homogenizing. There is so much um, temptation now to just... Everybody, everything is kind of like spiritually, there's so much of a, a move towards that. Let's just throw it all in a pot and stir it around right it's it's sure Christianity's great we'll just put it in here with this and 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 there's a lot of more than in the last number of years the last 10 or 15 years there's been a a much more uh, a rise in acceptance of spirituality I think there's been a bit of a awakening for people's appetite for the for the spiritual which in itself is it, it can be a good thing but as believers as followers of Jesus um we need to be more, a little more wise about who it is and what it is that we allow to speak into our lives. Does the person know and follow Jesus? And this kind of goes along with it, but do you know the person? 
Do you, do you know their track record? Do you, do, do you know that they, have you seen in their life a connection to God. Have you, you know, that, that's a valuable thing. And again, not saying that if that's not present, you, you have to automatically reject and can't, can't receive anything from that person. But, but it, it, it's, it's an important thing. It should factor in. Um, if I, and asking the question helps contextualize that for us a little bit. Do I, how well do I know th- this person? And if I don't, then, then I need to hear what they say with, with a little more, uh, guards up, it, I don't think is a bad, bad term, with a, with a little more guards up. So, so those are just some, those are not all the questions. That doesn't automatically, you know, um, just give you this nice, neat little formula to just evaluate everything here and, and automatically just come calculate out an answer. Yes, God, no, God. But, but, but those are some good things that we need to be, we should be uh, contemplating and, and praying through um, when, when we're, we're evaluating or testing something that, that is, is claiming to be from God. Um, so that's a good, those are, those are evaluations. But how do we pursue the prophetic? This is, this is the next question. Um, and, and, and pursue it in its proper context. It's important. Um, we've seen that in Scripture, and we'll see it again. But how, how, do, we, how do we pursue it? Because this is most, most people's uh, fear, I guess is maybe a right way to say. How, how, do, I, how do I pursue pro- prophecy and, and, and not end up weird? Right, <laughs> that's that's the that's the, the the fear, right? I don't want to end up, and, and if it's not your fear, you might be weird. No, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just kidding. No, but and it's a legitimate thing. We need to we need to be be, be aware of that. How do we prophecy is is a it's a gift from God. It's important, but it, it is not it is not our primary pursuit. Um, and I think. Uh, uh, Paul in Corinthians gives us a good, a good path for pursuit, if you will. Some context for this. It's a familiar passage. First uh, Corinthians uh, thirteen knows the love chapter. We're actually going to start there and then continue into the next, the, the next chapter. I, I love, uh, I love the chapters and verses that we put in the Bible. They are very helpful to find things. But how many know they are not anointed? <laughs> Right, that we just added those later to help us all get on this, literally on the same page when we're reading scripture together. And sometimes uh, those chapters and verses they get put in a spot that it, it makes sense, but in some of our reading it resets our thought and we miss the connection between passages just because there's this number between them. And so you know, First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians thirteen and First Corinthians fourteen are part of one thought. And so we, sometimes it's important to read through the end of a chapter because a lot of times Paul wasn't done thinking <laughs> just because we put a, a chapter number there. Um, so starting in verse 7, um, it says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in tongue, uh, in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. 
Why? Because there's coming a day where we are going to be in God's full presence, fully, uh, you know, new heaven, new earth, new bodies, fully connected to God, fully connected to each other. We won't need prophecy. <laughs> we won't need special language because we will, we will see fully. We will see everything. We will, we will have God right there. We don't need it interpreted for us. We are going to be, you know, drinking direct, straight out of the fire hose. Um, if you will. So it's going to be amazing. So prophecy is a thing. It's a gift for us for now. It, it, it's not eternal, and, um, which is why it's not the most important thing. And Paul goes on. He says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. This is a, this is a truth that we have to accept. And sometimes the temptation is to say, well, it's incomplete, so then I, it's dangerous, and so I'm just going to set it aside. Yes, it is incomplete. Yes, we, we have to approach it with, with humility and reverence and respect. But it's still a good gift from God, and we shouldn't abandon it just because somebody, we know somebody, somewhere, someone misused it out of ignorance or selfish ambition or whatever. Listen, there's, there's plenty of people that have, have done some horrible things uh, in the name of pizza. I'm not going to stop eating pizza, right? Verse 10, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see these things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. This is Paul talking. Like, he had, had to have one of the most complete, incomplete pictures <laughs> of any of us. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love comes first. Love of God, love of each other. This, that has to be our, 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 our first pursuit, our first priority. And then out of that, out of that context, we pursue prophecy. If we get any other order, we will end up in a place where prophecy, we begin to idolize it, or we begin to manipulate it, or we begin to um, prioritize it over other people, or over even God himself. Pursuit of the love of God, of God himself, always comes before any gift he would give us. So, that being said, Love comes first, but if we continue into verse 1 of chapter 14, because it's just the next sentence, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. It's a good definition right there of the purpose of prophecy as well. Strengthen, encourage, and comfort others. Uh, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire, the entire church. So the original question I asked 
several minutes ago, was should we, so should we pursue prophecy? Yes. As a part of pursuit of Jesus and our desire to know him and be like him. In that context, we should pursue prophecy. Because it has, it has a point. It has a good purpose. What is the purpose of prophecy? Well, we just read a few. Um, the, the purpose of prophecy and prophecy will, will, will always, first and foremost, will always glorify God. The point of prophecy is to glorify. That word just uh, really means to reveal. It reveals God. It reveals his character. It reveals his will. It reveals his nature. That's the primary role of prophecy. Prophecy, so it glorifies God. Prophecy is, is encourages. Now, encourage is not the same thing as compliment. Right? <laughs> we, can get those, we can get those things these confused. I can um, encourage literally means that, to instill courage in someone, to give them the courage to accomplish something. That's not the same as compliment. Um, if you've played sports, you've had coaches that encourage you to do something a certain way. That was not always a very complimentary way of doing it, right? <laughs> it doesn't sound like that in the moment, you know, from the outside in. It's, boy, that guy's being rough on that kid. Yes, but, but his, his method may sound harsh, but his purpose is encouragement. And sometimes uh, proph prophecy will always build up, but sometimes it, it can also, it can be, be, be harsh. Um, it, it, so it encourages, it guides, it helps, helps direct our path. Prophecy, it can be, can be a warning. It, you know, it's a part, a part of guidance. It can... It can um, it can alert us to things that we need to be, be aware of or stay away from. It's some of the purposes of prophecy. But how, what, and maybe you might be asking, okay, you keep using that word. What, what does that look like, though? Okay, prophecy in real time. What, what does that look like? Because we all have, I think, different, different views, different pictures, and we could, we could take a, do a whole series just on, on that, which we're not going to do today, obviously. Um, but the, when we're talking about uh, prophecy, we're just, you know, at its core, we're talking about God revealing, God speaking. And he's a creative God. He can do that in, 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 in a host of different ways. But most of the, some of the most common ways that, that we, would, we would consider normative um, are we see him speak regularly through Scripture, um, we see him in prayer and worship and in, in, and in services. Any time where you get a group of people together, invite the presence of God, um, it's reasonable to expect God to speak if we will ask him and listen. And so in, in, in prayer and worship, we, we, God, God will reveal and speak to us. God speaks sometimes prophetically just through his peace. There's a number of scriptures about, and his peace will go with you. Peace that passes understanding. Sometimes, 
Sometimes it's, it, it, it's God's peace, when we're, especially when we're trying to make a decision or trying to, to, to f- discern his will. It's, it, it's his peace. Does, does one direction, when, when I think about it, when I pray about it, when I move this way, do, do I, do, am I at peace? Because we have the, whole, the Holy Spirit within us, right? And the Holy Spirit, God is the Prince of Peace. And so we should expect that when we are walking in his ways, that we, his ways are full of his nature. And if his nature is peace, then that's what we should be looking for. It's the breadcrumbs we can follow a lot of the time. It's his peace. Another way God speaks prophetically just in, in our everyday life is through repetition. When something comes up over and over and over again. Now you could say, oh, well, that's just coincidence. Yes, that coincidence is a thing too. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying because saying you passed three McDonald's on your way here that God's, God's telling you to go buy a McDonald's. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I do believe that, that God... And we see this. We see this in Scripture. We see this. We see this just in, in my experience, probably in yours. That when, when God will, when God's trying to speak with us, He is He is a kind. He's a gentle God. He's an understanding God. He knows we are dense, and so He repeats Himself. Right? <laughs> he will. He will. And something will. Will. He will bring it up over and over. Maybe in multiple conversations in the same week. All of a sudden, you find yourself. Anybody ever find themselves having the same conversation with a bunch of people? about something, right? And they're all out of the blue, and you're just like, how did we end up talking about this? This is, I was just talking about this over here, you know? That's, that's, a, that, that, that's a, some, a way that the Lord sometimes is trying to get our attention and to, to speak to us. And largely through others. You know, prophecy is a, God wants to speak to us about our lives, for sure, um, but it is, it is a spiritual gift, and the spiritual gifts are primarily for each other, right? It's a community thing. Following Jesus is a team sport. He wants us involved in each other's lives. And sometimes, um, sometimes I feel like the reason we are so unsure in our spiritual lives and we always feel like we're guessing is because we haven't developed spiritual relationships with others that we are uh, getting the confirmation and the guidance that, that God has designed to happen in community because we're not having those conversations. We don't, we don't have people in our lives that, that we are, know our, our life and that we're sharing our questions and our concerns and our prayers with that are praying and, and, and asking God and hearing for God for us and with us that we can, we can kind of collaborate and together discern what, what God is saying. So God speaks prophetically through others. Um, so those are some of the ways that, 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 God, that God speaks. Um, I'm 42. Um, <laughs> but I want to, I just want to close our time today. I want to, um, th- and that's, that's great, but you may be asking, okay, but h- how do we, how? <laughs> okay, how do we move, move towards, towards that? What does that look like? And I'm not going to give you four steps to be prophetic by, by tomorrow at noon. Um, I don't have those, sorry. Uh, but, but I do want to give you a few, um, not even next steps, 
but general steps. These are, these are the, some of the pillars that, that lead towards uh, pursuing and, and seeing God speak into our lives with more regularity and more clarity. And, and they're not, these are not earth-shattering. Um, the first one is kind of a mindset. Embrace the reality that the spiritual gift, prophecy is a gift, not a skill. It's a gift, not a skill. You can't earn it. You can, the more you do it, you can, you can um, learn to be more receptive, but you will never take over, right? It will never be you doing it. It will always be a gift that is actively poured out from God. So we have to embrace the fact that it, it, it's a gift, not a skill, um, we have to understand that it's a good gift. That it, there's value in it. And that it, it's, not all, it's not all this, it doesn't always have to be these big, you know, giant signs and, uh, you know, uh, amazing, crazy things. And those are amazing and we should, we should be open to those as well. Um, you know, I can point back in my life, there are a number of places where God spoke in very demonstrative ways, prophetically, that had a significant impact on, on my life and the direction of it. But most prophecy is more about God just, God speaking something you already knew, something that's already in his word, just in the, but he's speaking it, and the reality of that. Uh, you receiving it like live versus it just being a, a fact, right? I, I think of it, trying, I was trying to figure out a way to kind of crystallize how, in my mind, how this, this works. And the best thing I come up with is, is if I write a love letter to Shannon and I give it to her and, you know, three months later she pulls it out and she reads it, that's, that's going to mean something to her, Right? It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to have an effect. But it's not going to have nearly the effect of me standing her face-to-face -face in the eye in real time and telling her how much I love her. Right? That's, that's all prophecy is. It's God in real time speaking to our minds and hearts about what's going on in real time in our lives and our minds. That's all it is. And when you think of it like that, if you take away all the, all the, the controversial theology, you take away all, the, all the, the, the misconceptions, you take away all the abuses of it, when you look at it like that, it, it, isn't it something that, that sounds like something you would want? <laughs> Don't you want to hear the Lord tell you he loves you in a way that is real and transformative? Or tell you in the morning, hey, Look at this. This is, this is where I want you to run. I've got this for you over here. That, that's exciting. That's, that, that can transform your day. If, if every day you woke up knowing there was a possibility that, that the God of the universe was going to speak to you, that's worth getting up for. Even more in Starbucks. So we embrace this gift, and it's a good gift. Number three, um, quickly, uh, be people of the word. 
If you, wanna, if you want to have the prophetic in your life, if you want to, to hear God cl- more clearly and more often, you have to be in his word. It is the thing that grounds you. It is the thing he first and foremost speaks through. It is the thing that will stop you from falling prey to some nonprofit thing. <laughs> we have to be people of the word. We have to be ingesting it on a level that, that drowns out the rest of everything else that we, we come across. That's not just, uh, you know, our daily bread. Love them. They're out there. Feel free to take one home. But reading, you know, half a page of a book this big in the morning is not being people of the Word. Making it a, 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 a regular, significant part of what we take in. Is, is a crucial first step. Listen, we... God is a good father, and, and there, there's a level at which he can't... He will only trust you with what you're trustworthy of. And he's given us so much in his word. And if you're not taking advantage of that, how can he trust you with something that requires more maturity, more sensitivity? We have to be people of his word. And the, third, and the fourth one is simply this. We have to ask. <laughs> we have to ask for it. The Bible says, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Right? You have not because you ask not. We have to ask. And we can ask in honesty. I don't know where you're at, you know, in this whole thing. Um, you know, it, it, it may be something you've been pursuing forever. It may be something this is the first time you're like, ah, I don't know. I've always thought that's a little, a little weird. I'm not never really approached that subject. Wherever you are, you can ask honestly. And if honestly you're like, God, I, I'm not sure about all this stuff. I don't, I don't know about about that. I don't, I, I don't know. But, 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 Lord, if you, if you have something more for me, I want it. If there is something good, if there is a good gift out there, if there is a way that I can draw closer to you and you can direct me more effectively than what I'm currently experiencing, I'm, I'm open for it. Show me. That's a prayer God will answer. Bet, better be honest than sound faithful. <laughs> I mean, it's better to be faithful, but that's, <laughs> you'll get there. Like, we'll get there. That's, honesty is always, God desires honesty over everything else. Let's start there. Um, and that's a safe prayer, right? That's a safe prayer. So we have to ask. We, ask the, we have to ask the Lord the, to, to, to speak to us, speak through us, to open our eyes, to, to show us. Um, we have to ask specific questions. You know, if you got, sometimes it, it's amazing how complicated we make some things when, when we're talking about God. Um, if we just applied some common sense, um, it, 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 we'd get a lot further. If you want to talk to somebody, if you want to hear from somebody that, that you know, a friend, if you want, to, want their advice on something, what do you typically do? You ask them a question. <laughs> Right? But how often do we, do we not ask God a question? Sometimes I think we don't, we're going to get to heaven and, and have all these questions for God. And I, I know, I'm sure some of the ones I'm going to have are like, God, why didn't you, why didn't, 
this thing happened, and I was so confused during that time. Why, why, why didn't I have, why were you so quiet? And I'm sure some of those situations, the answers would be like, you didn't ask me. God wants to answer, but a conversation requires a question. You ever had or tried to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't, like, have a question mark in their vocabulary? That's not a conversation. That's a, one, that's a lecture, right? God wants to have a conversation. Well, you'd, be, you'd be shocked that if we start having specific, asking God specific questions, we might start getting specific answers. Right? Shannon is infinitely better at this than I am. Both in real life and in, in spiritual matters. She, she, is, she has an issue. She has a question. She is hounding God about it. She's writing it down. She's taking notes. She's, you know, she's going to write down every question. She writes down every question, prayer question that she asks them. She, she writes down all, but she tracks it. And not shockingly, she regular, she has a lot more of clarity in certain situations than I do because I, full confession sometimes, am lazy about it, Right? God, just take care of that situation. Just whatever. I don't even care what the answer is. Just fix it, you know? <laughs> but in her specificity of questions, she gets specific answers. And we could all learn from that. We ask specific questions. Not just of our own life. And here's another thing, expanding. We all should become, we should all become, this is a big, you know, highfalutin word, but we should all be intercessoring for each other. It's like such a, ooh, I'm an intercessor, you know. It just means, just means praying for other people. Just means praying for other people. You would be shocked at praying for other people how often in a very mundane way as you're praying for them, you'll have a thought. You'll have a, an idea, you'll have a, 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 you know, a question, something pop up, an impulse. You'd be shocked how much of the time if you follow that in the moment, um, or next time you see them, when you, you talk to them, you'll, you'll find out that that was actually the Holy Spirit speaking in that moment. You know, so much of the time when we talk about the prophetic, we're expecting lightning, and um, I don't know what we're expecting. <laughs> But it's really just, you know, it's really just our sound. Sometimes God sounds like your own voice. That sounds weird. But God speaks to us, you know, through our minds. It's not, it's not always a, this burning bush <laughs> situation. You know, if we have, if you have the spirit of God within you, if you believe, if you believe enough to believe that that. The God of the universe came, died, rose again, loved you so much that he saved you for, for all of time and eternity, put his spirit within you. Can we take another step and believe that maybe he wants to use all of that to talk to you about your life? It's a reasonable next step. And so I encourage us as, we, as we're closing today, um, Let's pursue, I challenge you this week,
to ask some of these, ask yourself, where, where do you functionally stand when it comes to the prophetic or hearing God or hearing God speak and having him actively direct your life? What, what does, does your life reflect that you actually believe that? Or maybe, you, maybe you're not sure, and, and that's something that today can be a good starting point to just pursue what you actually believe on this topic. That's a great place to start. Because it's God, God directing us for many of us, is the difference between tragedy and triumph can be the difference between peace and misery, can be the difference between life and death at times. And so it's, it's, worth, it's worth our attention, it's worth our time, it's worth, it's worth pursuing an answer. Please stand. I'm going to close this in prayer. God, we, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you still speak. God, would you, would you use your word today to stir in us, um, rekindle for some, ignite for a first time for others, um, a desire to, to pursue your voice, to hear and see your active your activity in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you guide us and show us what each of our next steps needs to be? What 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 do we need to do to, to be accountable to, to the to the word uh, your word today? God, we want to be a people that 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 take advantage of every good gift you have for us. We want to be a people that are, are, are faithful to Scripture. God, that are, are, are solid in, in our, our, our foundations, in, in your truth. And are sensitive to your, 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 your voice in our everyday. Thank you that you're moving among us. Would you go with us as we, we go about our, 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 our lives the rest of the day and the rest of the week. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.